Hello and welcome to The Joe Mobley Show. I'm your host, Joe Mobley, and you're listening to the only place in cyberspace where we talk about being conservative. We hit on current events, the politically correct cancel culture, and problems with civil discourse. But most importantly, we discuss what you can do to come out of the conservative closet. The Joe Mobley Show is a new and exciting podcast that airs weekly on Monday mornings. We have a range of controversial topics on deck. Even so, it's important that we hear from you what matters most. Be sure to send questions, comments, and things you'd like to hear discussed to ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. That's ask at thejoemobleyshow.com. To make sure you stay informed on the latest content, be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Welcome back to The Joe Mobley Show Live. I am Joe Mobley, your host. And as you know, hopefully I'm on paternity leave. We have a cute, squishy baby. Uh, and this isn't actually live, but it's premiering on YouTube and Facebook. If you're watching it live, I can't thank you enough for joining us. If you're new here, this is where we encourage people to become an uncloseted conservative, which I define as sharing your thoughts, your opinions, and your beliefs, regardless of the situation or the consequences. Guys, being out of the closet is essential to our freedoms, and that's what we're all about here. Tonight, we have an awesome guest for you guys, and I'll let her tell her own story, but we've got the president of the largest Republican club in Virginia, the Loudoun County Republican Women's Club, Miss Patty Hildago-Menders. Hi! How are you? Good. It's so nice to see you. I know I just saw you last night, but it's good to see I you know. again. Whenever this airs, you probably will have seen me last night still. Like we see each other all the time. Yes. Uh, all right. So <laughs> I would say how you've been, but we've already how have you been. Um, <laughs> tell us about yourself. Tell us about your club and, and what you've got going on. Sure. So I've lived in Loudoun County for 22 years, and I have six sons. My husband and I met each other six years ago, and we remarried three. So he had three sons, and I had three sons, and they're ages 16 to 23. So I'm a mom of six sons, and it's been a whirlwind here in Loudoun County, Um I was asked to to take over the Loudoun County Republican Women's Club a year uh, a year and a half ago, and when I took it over, it was a bunch of cute little old ladies, twenty five to thirty of them, and I said to them, "Are you prepared for me to change the business model of the club?" And they said, "Yes, please." It was on the verge of collapsing, and um, I was just excited and passionate and said, I kind of want to make being a Republican cool again. So I took over with the club and we grew last year to be the largest club in Virginia. We grew by 736%. And this year we've grown by an extra 50%. And we are still the largest club. We've won two national awards for membership. And I'm now on the board of directors um, at the National Federation of Republican Women because of the success with the club. Um, and I'm 
enjoying being a Republican and being out there and encouraging other people to get involved and to not be a silent conservative and to use your voice and knowledge to reach others. So it's been a it's been a fun ride. A silent conservative. I'm so glad you said that. And people don't believe this. Like, I, I wish that I could have someone come in. We don't do scripts. We don't even do outlines. We just talk. Uh, but I don't know. I guess I could, like, flash the camera around. My desk is actually a little messy, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, but silent conservatives. My brand shifted a few times, and Google didn't like it, and I left it, and then I went back to it, and it's coming out of the conservative closet. Like, am, am I crazy, or are conservatives literally in the closet? Like, you can come out of the closet about any of the things that were closet issues 20 years ago, and then they were closet issues, and there were stigmas, and there were social pressure, and people would treat you differently, whatever it was. But now, you're, like, in the closet if you, like, own guns, or, like, if you've got, like, an American flag in your house somewhere. Mm-hmm. You, you, don't, you used to fly it outside. Now you have to like fly it inside in the basement, like with a, a dark like room and a flashlight. Do in your experience, are conservatives in the closet? What, what can we do to get conservatives out of the closet? What do you think the numbers are? I think are it's on been that? a process. I think during the Obama years, conservatives were super quiet. We saw this momentum of liberals just kind of take over our country. And then out of the blue, President Trump was elected. And I felt like he gave us our voice back. And I felt like he um, understood us and represented us. And the Obama or Clinton uh, liberals, they did not want us to still have a voice. I remember being really quiet about voting for Trump or supporting him or, you know, on social media, how many people were so angry with me about voting for him that we became fearful of the, almost the retribution of how they treated us. And it wasn't until how successful Trump became and his reputation improved and more conservatives were like, this is our guy. And this is like the country is coming back and unemployment fell and the economy was improving. And, you know, he gave us our voice back. And so when he supposedly lost this last election to Biden, um, I think it, it pissed off a lot of conservatives and it made even more soft Democrats and moderates join our party. So it's been a transition. I feel like conservatives, for the most part, tend to take care of their families, work their jobs, go to school. We stay, we just focus on our community. And I think with this election, it it made us all be like, We've got to do something. And I think especially here in Virginia, with the Democrats controlling the governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, both houses, and here in Loudoun, the Board of Supervisors majority and the school board, which I could go off on them, but uh, the Democrats have just controlled us. And so I think more and more conservatives are coming out of the closet. 
I think more people are realizing that they have more in common with conservatives and Republicans than they even imagined. When you're talking about like Trump giving people a voice, there's so many people that, well, one, they're like, oh, he's a Nazi, he's a white supremacist, and all this bull crap, which had never been true. You know, now Larry Elders, the the black white face of or the black face of white supremacy, because that makes sense. Um, they did the same thing to Ben Shapiro, who was literally the number one target for anti-Semitic threats for I think it was 2018. Like they've arrested people for death threats against him that were actually white supremacists. But I digress. We're, we're in this place where the new enemy is like populism. And all that means, guys, is exactly how Trump ran his administration. And he said it in the campaign. And he actually did it like love him or hate him. Trump did exactly what he said he was going to do when he campaigned and then some. And to do as much as he did is a miracle, by himself, you know, we're seeing, like General Milley wasn't helping out. We're seeing what he's no. got going on. And he, honestly, I'll say it by the time this airs, I hope that he's removed. I hope that he's not the chief of staff, if not for screwing up Afghanistan, like that, like Sun Tzu is rolling in his grave that the chiefs of staff of the United States military did the whole Bagram deal. Uh, but now it's, so right now it's uh what is it? It's September 14th. It's uh yeah. Yeah, it's it's recall day for for California. And it looks like that um that election was also lost. Uh unbelievable. And it it really is. Um but before we move into election stuff, let me try and stay on the Trump thought populism. All it means is actually representing the interest of the people and not the social elite. And there are a lot of people on on all of the platforms. Um, Twitter's got like spaces now where you can have these conversations, kind of ripping off Clubhouse, but a lot of Clubhouse rooms where I'm seeing people left, right, and center come together and say, there is a permanent government. People are seeing like your deep state is showing where all of these elites are all the same. The Clintons, the Bidens, the Bushes, it gets to a point like they have a D and R after their name, but they're the same. They're representative, they're representative of the same institutions, which blows my mind that the institutions are evil. And it's like big, big Democrat D and big Republican R, those are the institutions. Uh, and I mean, we just talked about Bush's disgraceful 9-11 speech, but that's Trump came to destroy all of that. That's what right. drained the swamp is. Uh, and on the one hand, I agree with you. I think that conservatives are being less quiet. They're, they're, they're coming out more. But, like, is Biden so terrible? And, and was uh-huh. Trump such a shock to the system that I think some Democrats, and we've met some, you know, at the things we've been filming, I think some Democrats are coming to the table and saying, the government's not representing our interests. The government's representing the government's interests, their financial interests, their power and influence interests. Like, is, is this all going to work out for us? Or, or I, what I are have your hope. thoughts? I'll be honest. I feel like you talked about the elites in our government. Now, the irony is our forefathers wanted the U.S. government to be 
by the people for the people. It wasn't supposed to be this group of people that stayed there for years and years and years representing their constituents. It was supposed to be, okay, I'm going to go for four to eight years and then somebody else from the farmland is going to go and represent us. And it was supposed to be this rotation of representation. And somewhere along the line, people made money from being in positions of power in our government and they liked the taste of the power and the control over others and they liked the marketing. There's a lot of marketing and a lot of money that goes into these political campaigns. So Trump did burst that open and made it really about the common man and that's why so many of us related to him so well. So I'll be honest, I think what got me into this political bubble and to have more of a voice was President Trump. He showed me that he cared about us. Now, did he really care about us? I think he did. Like every time I've seen him at a rally, every time I've heard his speech, he doesn't want, he he always mentions people. He always mentioned other people. And that's what our founding fathers wanted this U.S. government to be about. It was about the people. It wasn't about the elite like you talked about, the Bushes and the Clintons and the Obamas. It wasn't supposed to be these people that stayed in power for this long. So I think that's what drove me to get involved was we lost our freedoms here in Virginia. We saw the government overreach and the government control. And our our own families are being quieted. So I said, if I don't get involved, then nothing's going to change. So I've heard you tell the story a bunch, but Insofar as oppressive governments, your family definitely has some experience with uh, oppressive governments. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So my parents escaped from communist Cuba in 1961. My dad was 26. My mom was 21. Um, mom and dad had a 10-month-old baby, my oldest sister, and then she was eight months pregnant. And when... Castro took over. It happened in 58. It happened very quickly. He got the, the poor people of the country to rally behind him. And immediately Batista left. He was a coward and he just left right away. And my dad said that they closed universities. They closed churches. Um, the Cuban Castro government really encouraged tattling on each other kind of like our bias reporting here in Loudoun County Schools, you basically could tell on each other. And children were taken from their homes to go to school and they had uniforms and everything was very um, orderly and people were, their, their homes and property and sugarcane plantations were supposed to be for the state. It was supposed to be for the government. So every hard work that you earned went to the state. Now, when the Bay of Pigs fiasco happened and Kennedy did not send any troops to help these poor Cubans, the Cuban government, the Castro regime slaughtered these people. 
And at the time, my father was working for the underground movement against Castro. And he realized after Bay of Pigs did not fulfill the the CIA was supposed to help them. They were supposed to send military. None of that happened. And these poor people were perished. And they started imprisoning more and more people. They started lining them up and just shooting them. My father said, we've got to get out of here. So he had his uncle send a fake telegram saying that my dad's father was ill and that he was dying. And the telegram was very simple and it it was proof to for my father to get a temporary visa for them to leave the country and they left everything behind they left food in the pantry clothes hanging up uh car in the carport and went to the airport with their pan am airline ticket and they my parents were separated for 8 hours at the airport because at the time Castro shut down any um, any people that wanted to leave. He completely shut it down, and you needed certain visas, and it was very strict. So the my parents had to make sure their stories were legit. And I'm telling you, by the grace of God, the um, person at the checkout for the gate, they were against Castro, and they let my parents go through. So they made it to Miami. They said, please, we cannot go back. And they immediately um, went through proper channels to claim asylum. And at that time, my parents' family were in Atlanta. And mom and dad went straight to Atlanta, Georgia. And the first thing they had help from was the um, Catholic Charities Organization. And they put them up in government housing. This was the first projects of Atlanta, Georgia. And mom and dad lived in these projects until they could, um, dad got his master's and his PhD. And they always taught us that education was the way out of any poverty. And my parents proved it. My mom continued to raise four little kids in government housing, not speaking English. And my dad got his master's and his PhD. And then he was able to get a job with Procter & Gamble and we moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. But they came with 10 cents, 10 American cents. And my father and mother always taught us that the amazing opportunities here in the U.S., which to me is just wasted on so many people that take it for granted and don't show the patriotism that this country deserves. It is, I was taught our freedoms are incredible. Our faith is what led us here, our family. And, and it's it's about taking these amazing opportunities and not abusing the government, not getting handouts, but to work hard. And education is the way that my parents got out of the poverty. And, and at 60 years old, my father retired a millionaire. So it's an amazing American story. You know, there's so many things to talk about in there. I think the thing, if we go through the story chronologically, people don't understand why people like you, um, with the experience that your family have had, or people like uh, Shee Van Fleet, 
having escaped communist China, everyone who has that experience is on high alert right now. You know, spider senses are tingling, you know, hair standing up, whatever, because the things that the government are doing here, they say that we're we're crazy, tinfoil hat, whatever. The things that are happening here in the United States, when they've happened anywhere else in the rest of the world, it's always resulted in atrocities, genocides. It's always resulted in, in exiling huge portions of the population with the different markers, the Jews with the yellow stars. And yeah. the, this is always hard to say, the gulags and the, the kulaks and the gulags uh, getting rid of the producers, the haves and the have-nots, the untouchables, the bourgeoisie, like all of these different types of class or race or um, religious ideological groups, or now we're seeing political ideological groups cause mm-hmm. these divisions. It's always <laughs> resulted in atrocities. It's always resulted in Castro's and Mao's in Lenin's and Stalin's and Hitler's. I'm sure I missed some Mussolini, like just the worst of the worst of the worst. And here we are in in the United States, but really all over the world, nations are doing this. I think that's a little bit unique um, to have all of the, the global governments doing the same oppression at the same time. But we're seeing it doesn't matter what the line is, the left versus right. Um, they're really pushing a vax versus unvax, uh, which isn't even to say people that have antibodies or people that um, have compromised immune systems that can't get flu shots, let alone getting COVID shots. <laughs> it, are we crazy? Like, is there reason to be on guard? Just, just in your opinion, you're you're not like well. You know, Jack Ryan, but <laughs> any country that has a government that wants total control of the people does not succeed. History has repeated itself time and time again that the only way for a country and a government to succeed is individual freedom. And this government overreach that we're seeing now with with vaccine mandates required masks, all of this critical race theory where they're separating us by skin color and um, who's victims and who's oppressors and this cancel culture of, you know, taking down statues of Confederates, which by the way, were Democrats to begin with. Um, When they want to control others, that government will never succeed. It is proven. Yeah. But they they say that we're dog whistling or that we're we've been called a lot of things lately, other than like white supremacists and Nazis. Racist. Stuff, we've been called racist. Little, yeah. Yeah. Um guys, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Like if you don't see that what's happening in our country is dangerous, not just dangerous for conservatives, it's dangerous for you, whoever you are. Um, then you're missing the boat. And it's people have written songs, poems, there are bumper stickers, posters, all of this stuff about, you know, 
they're they're going after group after group after group. They are going to get to you because they want power and control. That's exactly it. You're not in the group. You know, we're not in the group. If you're watching this, you are not in the group. You're not in that social strata <laughs> where they're like, yeah, you're safe. You're you're a normal person, and that big political machine run by whoever it's run by, they're going to toss you out. Um, so I'm, I'm not ready to be like, all right, I'm jumping in the boats and getting out of here. But, you know, hey, this is September. Anything can happen by November. <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh, please. Yeah. It's, it's, been, it's been a journey um, to witness the U.S. go through this change. Um, it's been unbelievable to see Biden in his first 100 days of office have to write all those executive orders when he said during his campaign he would not do that. Um, it, that right there reminds my parents of what happened to Cuba. And they have said they're so grateful that I have a voice and that I'm courageous enough to share my story and encourage and empower others to join this, join us. And because Cuba didn't make it, like it's still, after more than 60 years, these poor people are suffering. And you've seen images of what has happened there. And if if that happens here, if socialism or any type of government control continues, there's nowhere else for us to go. There's no other country. And, and I'm praying that people wake up and realize that American freedom is the last stronghold. And I pray to God that people... Um, use their voices, stop being fearful, get courageous, learn, stop watching CNN, stop watching MSNBC, and and really research what's happening and, and ask questions and get involved in any type of community, local politics, and make a difference. Yeah, just like you said, there's nowhere to run to. Nowhere. Um, this is still, with all of the ridiculousness that's gone on in the last, like, 18 months, this is still the best place to live, bar none. Yes. Um, and this is why I tell people this. People <coughs> on the right or the left, it doesn't matter. No one wants a legitimate war, an armed conflict. People that have been to war or that know the particulars of war, definitely, like it's not, uh, I can't think of any of the popular video games. It's not whatever the popular war fighting video games are. Um, I, don't, I don't play video games. Yeah, um, kids do. It's not... <laughs> It's not cool and whatever. It's terrible. Uh, we talked about the Civil War as this huge, like, racial thing. Um, but brother against brother, countrymen coming out to fight each other is terrible. Um, and people, I know people ask you this. People ask me all the time, like, how in the world do you have the fortitude, the courage, whatever, to 
put this polarizing message out there to out yourself as not just conservative, but like a Trump supporter. I got my little Trump flag up here and, and you see me around town every day except Sunday. I am wearing probably an offensive shirt, offensive to someone, uh, an uncloseted conservative shirt and a MAGA hat. And I tell people, I told my pastor this, that MAGA hat starts more conversations about politics, which gets into theology, which gets like all roads lead to Jesus. Like that hat starts more of those conversations than any evangelism tool I've ever used. Um, But when people, how do you do it? Or why are you doing it? It's because we know the only way that this ends is oppression and cowardice begets oppression and cowardice begets oppression and cowardice until there's armed conflict. And I'll go out and have an uncomfortable conversation and have colleagues or random people in the street think that I'm a bigot or somehow a white supremacist. I can't figure it out. Um, but think that I'm racist against black people. Um, I'll have that experience all day to avoid what's happened in Cuba and in China and all of these places. Venezuela recently, like, boom, it was the most, it it was was the fastest growing. Yeah, I I heard that it was like the fastest growing economy in South America's, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the history of the continent. And it, it was just like a shooting star. It just flamed out. So a corrupt governor or president, and there it goes. So, what do you tell people? Because um, people are a lot of people are watching just to be like, oh, we hear the dialogue. And sometimes we get good arguments. What do you tell people? Like, this is why you need to spread whatever influence you have. This is why you need to use whatever platform you have and get over the fear, get over being embarrassed. Like, what do you say to those people? If not us now, then when? Who? Who else is going to step up and say what this government, what this local government is doing, what the governor is doing is wrong? Who's going to, if it's not us, Joe, then who else is going to do it? My passion stems from being a mother, taking care of these kids and doing what's best for them because they're children. And well, I have quite a few young adults now, but all those years of prepping them and preparing them and teaching them to love God and love others and having faith and our family be such a part of our of our. Um, ideals, freedom is a part of those ideals. And and that's what we cannot give up. And that's what fuels my, my passion is we cannot give up our freedoms. And I look at my children and I say, I've got to make an effort to leave it better for them because our future is not looking so good right now. And if more people asked more questions and got involved more locally and um, pushed back against their school board like we do, uh, I think there'd be more people that wake up and realize, I mean, even Bill Maher was pushing back against the Democrats. I mean, he's a liberal comedian and he's realizing and waking up. So if more people could just ask questions and 
surround themselves with people that are going to challenge them, then, then people, maybe we could save this country. I freaking hope so. Uh, so you mentioned school boards. Uh, guys, it's Loudoun County. I, I, for whatever reason, I have a lot of Californians that watch my show. So thank you, Californians. We love you. Thank you. Uh, you, you guys should make better choices with, uh, with your state <laughs> with your government. government. I know. You guys try. Um, and you know what? This is the time for the shameless plug because I don't know why, but California conservatives buy this shirt like crazy. I'm not currently wearing this, but I do sell this Joe Biden would not recommend shirt on my website. And the link will be down in the description. Uh, but right back to the other thing. Um, school boards. There's the CRT. There's like the COVID this and the remote learning. And really, it can all kind of be summed up in school boards are trying to make the situation where they're co-parenting, where, yep. it's, where it's you and your husband and the school board. And really, their vote's the only vote that counts. But... They they let you into the room to have the conversation. Uh, it's that kind of relationship. And right on the heels of that, we have what the rest of the government's doing. Uh, we have boards of supervisors in in Virginia, but uh, you know you probably have city council, um, but then your state governments, and then big government, the, the federal government. They're doing these mandates. And so it went from school boards are trying to co-parent with us to now the government is trying to just parent us because mandates, mandates don't appear in any of the founding documents. And nope. it's not just founding like the declaration is one of the most incredible documents in the history of the world. It's, it's, it's a statement of purpose and vision and passion and a suicide <laughs> pact. Um, the, Declara the Declaration of Independence is actually what started the country, what kind of gave birth to the nation. It's the, the why. The Constitution is the how is this going to work. It's the legal framework, which is brilliant. Best government man's ever instituted. But here's the problem. The Constitution, the United States Code, your state's constitution, your local government, whatever the smallest charter is, mandate probably doesn't appear much if at all and here's the issue because if they want if the government wants to tell us to do something they pass laws and then we have to abide by those laws or there are other laws that protect our freedoms our naturally occurring rights you know the problem is the mandate thing is now they're not even our legislators they're not even our elected officials they're our parents telling us to do stuff go clean your room you you have to be back by 10 p.m. Um, and we saw this bullcrap go on, and we went through the stages of COVID. We were wearing the mask. We were wiping down our, mm -hmm. yeah, we were wiping, we, we were setting our mail in a pile for three days for a while. So, like, we, I get it. When you don't know what you don't know, then, you know, discretion is the better part of valor, you know, be cautious. But now we know a lot. And the Fauci's and the Bidens and the, all of this, the political lead of the world, they're trying to just straight up parent us. They're trying to tell us man, woman, and child or mm -hmm. whatever the other genders and identities and things are that you guys have to do this. Like, why? 
why are Americans who experienced real true freedom, why are we like the government can can do mandate? Like I just see mandates as flagrantly unlawful, like not not allowed. Like, am I crazy? These mandates are like what happened in Cuba with the Castro regime. They told people what to do. And there was no question, otherwise we were going to put you in jail. And these mandates are dictating to us what to do. And it's it's unconstitutional. You're absolutely right. And you mentioned that we do not co-parent with the government. Well, I do not co-parent with the government. This school board here in Loudoun County is trying to remove parents and their involvement in, in their child, and they think they know what's best for our children. And this is where I draw the line. And for over a year now, I have been attending the school board meetings twice a month to tell them, no, you need a plan for back to in-person learning. You need to not mandate masks anymore. You need to not mandate the vaccine for our athletes. That's unbelievable. I mean, another thing that Biden said we would never do. He said it was unconstitutional. Here we are eight months later. But Joe, whether you believe in the vaccine or not, that's irrelevant. This is a mandate. They are not giving our parents an option. They're not giving us any choice. As of November 8th, if your child is not vaccinated, they cannot play that high school sport. It's, un, it's unheard of. This this is why this, we... This is why we homeschool. <laughs> yeah, this is why you homeschool. I get it. But my son loves playing football. He's on the varsity team at Briar Woods. And... He, we need to figure this out. I, I've filled out a million uh, religious exemptions to see what would work, and then he would have to get tested weekly. But the reason I got involved with the school board is when I started to speak publicly, which we have every right to go to public comments section and, and uh, talk to our school board, there was one of the school board members that kind of said, poor me, these parents are kind of beating me up. And this anti-racist parents group said, we will take care of you, Beth Bartz. And they said, let's infiltrate. Let's find out who these parents are. They blacklisted us. They listed my first and last name in this secret Facebook group. They listed my husband's name, where my son goes to high school, and what town I live in. Their plan was to take megaphones and come to our neighborhoods and call us racist. They wanted to uh, come, you know, send postcards to our neighbors and call us racist. They really wanted to shut us down. They wanted to intimidate us to stop pushing back against the school board. And this little Chardonnay Antifa group pissed us off. We went back to the school board and said, this is unheard of that a political a, a public servant is trying to get other people to blacklist us and, and infiltrate our organization. We didn't even have an organization. We were just parents. And it, it made us form alliances. And now we are recalling 
six of the school board members that were in that secret group, and we are continuing this fight. There are six lawsuits against this school board, and I am part of one of those lawsuits. We want to remove the bias reporting where children can anonymously tell on each other for um, under equity uh, anything racist. And that's not going to go very well. Can you imagine letting a child say that there's somebody that they are picking on or um, they want to, they're jealous of somebody? You can anonymously report them. It's, it's unfalsifiable and it's only available to blacks and other minorities, you know. And that's the second part of this lawsuit. They created totally a student nuts. equity ambassador. And at first, you can only be certain races to be part of this program. And once you fill out the bias reporting, the law. it goes to this ambassador. And then it goes to the equity committee who determines how they're going to reprimand the child. So what kind of program is this that only certain people can be selected for this type of leadership? So that's what our lawsuit's about. And the school board is trying to dismiss it um, and we'll see where it goes. But there's a lot of people that are fighting back because Joe, for, for over a year, we've been dismissed by this school board. We've been ignored. We've asked for a town hall to understand and have more transparency on what their policies are. And all they do is just implement them. They don't even ask us. And it, it is just the most, to me, the most corrupt local government I've ever seen. They are just listening to consultants and special interests instead of listening to the parents and the and the children. So that's when I stepped up my um, political activism because I care about my son that's in high school. And I don't want these victims and oppressors uh, and what box they're going to put my son into. I don't want um, all these mandates to affect him. So you have to get involved. You have to to let your local government that, you know, tell them they're not listening to the people. So many people are, they're listening. You've got lawsuits going on. Uh, Fight for Schools does. And a lot's happening in Loudoun County. Um, we're in the news all the time for all of the wrong reasons. But here's the deal. Come here. This is what other people can do. You have to keep the pressure on. You have to be doing stuff. You, Everyone doesn't have to speak at every school board meeting. I think if you can be there, you should be there. Hear what's going on. Um, you know, if, if you know how to do FOIA request, you have to get involved with the school, with the school board, with the administrators, with what's going on in the classroom, with what's going on with your local uh, and state government. Don't even worry about the federal government because, one, if you're not able to impact and influence change at the local and state level, then you're not going to be able to do it at the federal level. In fact, if you want to change things at the federal level, the way to develop that skill is to start smaller. But the other thing is, is like some straight up Project Veritas type stuff. We have to keep the pressure on every, where did I put it, everyone has one of these guys 
And I'm talking, we need to be recording encounters. We need to be posting things online and not doxing people like they tried to do to you and everyone. Mm-hmm. Charnay and Tifa, if, guys, if you don't know what it is, like this is the one time I'd recommend you get on Twitter and look at the ridiculous stuff that this group with elected school board officials did. Yep. And, you know, at some point soliciting for for cyber crimes or trying, like what Patty described, that's harassment. To show up at someone's house or their neighborhood, telling their neighbors they're racist, sending out mailers. There, there was some talk about making yep. materials to distribute about, like, <clears throat> the girl's Cuban. Not like and white supremacists. Racist, Joe. I know. Out of all the people you could call racist, a, a Cuban immigrant's daughter. And I'm on the diversity committee at the National Federation of Republican Women level. So it, it is just mind-blowing to me. White, white supremacists would round you up. Yep. You're not in that club. They wouldn't let you in that club. The irony oh. is my entire life, I've been told I'm a minority because I'm Hispanic. And now they're saying I'm a white girl. So I I, I never can fit into the um, slot of what they they call people. You know, it changes. It's because you have the wrong time. opinion. It's you all about, and Larry yeah. Elder and Andy No. Andy No was a oh, victim yeah. and, and Asian and until it comes out that, oh, and he's like not even hugely conservative. No. But once it comes out that you have the wrong opinions, you're on the wrong side of this thing is what they say. Um, but we've got to keep the pressure on. Not yeah. Not just us, but everyone. Like... Yeah. People, if you're not doing stuff because <clears throat> accountability is coming, I, I think that's the most powerful tool that we have. I think the framers set up a wonderful government. Um, I, I've i read the Federalists. I've read the Anti-Federalists. I've read the Federalists more than the Anti-Federalists. But I, I could not have conceived of a better government. But I think some of the modern issues that we're facing, which are largely driven by big tech, and and the the internet of things that we're dealing with those issues demand those types of solutions so you know it, it's not by accident that we have these school board meetings where we're pushing out clips of it on youtube on twitter probably someone on tiktok i don't have tiktok um but People don't think that this stuff is going on. And just the other day, oh my gosh, Patty, did you see? Did you see the um, uh, the? I think it was a mom and and she was reading. It was a mom and it looked like a teenage son, but they were reading again, like we did, the hypersexualized yes. stuff uh, that constituted child pornography and and not our right wing fringe opinions, but that's what a judge said. Uh, so, did you see that clip of the mayor going in? Oh. And telling them the, the mayor. mayor went in to the school board and told the school board that he just spoke with the judge who agreed that they were promoting, propagating in some kind of way, uh, child pornography or pedophilia materials. And he told them this. He said, resign or you will face criminal prosecution. And his school board speech was like 20 seconds long. 
He came in, he introduced himself. He said, I just spoke to the judge and she agrees that what you're doing is criminal. So you can resign now or face prosecution. And he he said, thank you and walked out. Like that's because one, I don't know the man, but the pressure was on him because that courageous mom went and read that stuff in public view and it was posted online. And you guys know it goes around Facebook, it goes around Twitter, it goes around YouTube. So they had to do something. And we have a different battle here in Loudoun, and it's more of an uphill thing. But stuff like that needs to be happening across the nation. It's not, it's not even partisan. It's true accountability. You cannot corrupt children like this with all of no. this fringe nonsense and and worshiping the pride flag, and they've got like Mao and communist in the classroom. Teaching communism, like, no. No, and and I think where it goes back to, Joe, is taking the parent out of it. They think they know what's best for our children. And that's why you see these books in the schools and you see the different curriculum that they're teaching. And they're fundamentally changing English and history classes to fit the history that they believe. Um there's so much cancel culture going on and there's so much government overreach that we've got to, we've got to make a stand. Yeah, I agree. I I ranted too long. We're short on time here. (laughs) So, um, so you mentioned CRT. Every, the politicians, State and federal are talking out of both sides of their mouths from CRT is not a thing, it's a right-wing conspiracy, to yes, CRT is a thing and it must be instituted and followed. Um, we've got that even among, you know, Democrat leaders in Virginia alone are, are, are saying, both McAuliffe is saying, it's not a thing, it's a right-wing conspiracy. And his hand-picked predecessor, Northam, is saying it is a thing and it must be in the classroom. Not not even it exists, but it's got to be in schools. <clears throat> How do we get people to wake up and realize that critical race theory and, and that kind of Marxist ideology that it teaches is real, it's divisive, but I think the most potent thing to let people know is it's dangerous. Like, have you had any success with this? Well, it's interesting. Being president of such a large women's club, I received screenshots and videos of what teachers were teaching their children, or the students. And one in particular was a video of a senior honors class at Freedom High School. And the teacher had on the Zoom a picture of a white girl and a black girl. And they were actually twins, sisters. And the teacher didn't know that, I don't think. But he kept saying to the students, what do you see? What what do you see on the screen? And the kid's like, I just see two people chilling. And the teacher's like, no, don't be coy with me. You know what you see. And he basically bullied the 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 student to say, yes, okay, you want me to give in and say it's a black person and a white person? And the kid said, if I give into that, and aren't, aren't I um, giving into the separation of Americans by race? And the student was so smart to 
come back at the teacher, and not only that, but to record it. And so when I received that, we immediately edited it so that the students' names were removed. And that was my first wake up to understanding CRT in the curriculum here in Loudoun County. And I've seen videos in second grade where they um, have a rap song and how the white man destroyed the Native American Indians and they made it like cool, but they're basically dissing white people. And then there's a, another video that was sent to me on intersectionality. So people say, especially our superintendent here, says that CRT is not being taught. Well, Joe, they use other words. They use equity, diversity, inclusion. Ultimately, they want to put people in buckets, victims and oppressors. And they're very clear on who's in those buckets. And this equity inclusion diversity is supposed to help um, even out the education learning experience. But what it's doing is it's it's um, it's causing people to be uh, less than a student. It's not causing them to learn. It is putting them in these categories by, you know, in China, they used class system. Here in the U.S., they're using race. And it goes right back to how communists separated. I mean, look at in Germany, they separated the Jews from the, you know, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Germans. So it, it's, a, it's a new strategy that has been used over and over and over. And we're showing that it, it is not how to uh, educate children. The problem is this school board has wrapped itself into this whole equity consultant uh, program. And they have, our, our SOLs have uh, decreased. The standard of learning here has decreased. They are dumbing down our academics. They removed valedictorian. They um, removed class ranking. I mean, they're taking away any, any, um, any person with effort to do well in school, they are saying, oh, you're you're that good of a student because you're white, or you're that good of a student, or you're not a good student because you're, you know, you're black. And it is it is debilitating this new generation of students, and we've got to stop it. You know, a lot of people don't talk about this, and I've not talked about this on the show, but a huge part of it is nothing that white people could do. It's actually what, and I know there are a bunch of other minorities, but I'll just focus on on Black America, Black culture, whatever you want to call it. A huge part of it is Black America's fault because I was, you know, well, not on his level, but I was the studious kind of Ben Carson type kid, president of the chess club. I was also an athlete. So my, my... Upbringing was unique in that I was popular because I was athletic, and um, I don't think so, but I think that girls thought that I was attractive, so I I had those things going for me, Uh, but I was a nerd. I was in the math and science club, they call it Chrome Club, uh, in in Virginia here. Um, I was president of the chess club. I, I... was constantly doing like IQ building type things, reading. I, I was that kid. I was a nerd. I was 
a semi-attractive athletic nerd. And you know, the thing is, black culture is like, stop trying to act white or stop trying to... Because you like, were like the crabs, like the crabs in the bucket. Like, stop trying to be something more than you are. Like, give me a freaking break. Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Like, these people that were actually slaves that had to teach themselves how to read. That's freaking hard. And modern day black people would have looked at them and said, stop trying to be better than you are. You're just black. Like, you're just. Mm. And. It's soft bigotry of low expectations, but it's not always imposed on us by white America. It's imposed on us by black America. Mm. Ben Carson talks about it all the time. They made fun of him like wretchedly, and he wasn't even a good student at the time. He became a good student. And the the big bucket of crabs that is black America will try and pull you down. I don't know if you talked to Paul a lot about one of his experiences, I think in Chicago, um, but he had three kids that he lost and um, it wasn't because of athletic scholarships. The gangs don't care about that. It was because they got academic scholarships after going through his program, becoming better students. And these gangs came and executed them. One of them, right at his front door. The other one worked at a fast food place and the gangsters came, they ordered food, they got the food and shot him in the face. Um, That's a black America problem. That's not something, there's nothing that all, if all of the racist white people got together, there's nothing they could do to make me leave my wife and kids, to make me drop out of school, to make me not study, not learn, not get a job, not do all those things. It's the social pressures of black America with the cars, the clothes, the shoes. Um, I, I don't think I can, I can edit it out, but for a long time it was bitches and hoes. Like that's what's culturally important to us. So the appearance of being a certain way. Now, yeah. ironically, the black community also was very reliant on government you know, welfare and on purpose, you know, <laughs> yes, to keep the them. Drew Wilson. Yes. And it's and and how did Planned Parenthood start? That Margaret Sanger wanted to control the black population. I mean, it is it is a disgrace how and 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 the fact that the government is still kind of holding back. And I know you said that the black community holds itself back, but it is, it is, how do you get out of this cycle of poverty? Education, like my parents did. And that's how Ben Carson got out of that hardship. Uh, look at Oprah Winfrey. She lived a very abusive upbringing, but how did she get out? Education, and she kept working hard. So if we can improve the work ethic in every child, and get the parents on board to promote education and, you know, good work ethic, then majority of our problems will disappear. Preaching to the choir. Yeah. I like, that's the message that really needs to get out there. Uh, All right, Patty, I've, I've almost kept you over an hour. Um, Mm -hmm. So you, you get the last word. Um, you probably listened to the show and have heard this question, but if you could get everyone on earth to read and understand one book and like, they really get it, um, what would you choose and why? And, uh, 
yeah, just tell us your thoughts. Well, I would love for every American, and I'm looking for it right now because I usually have, oh, here it is. I would recommend that every American read the Constitution of the United States. Boom. Come on. Come on. Like there's there's a constitution right here and there's a constitution over there. But this is so random that I have this on my desk because uh Chris Cloud gave it to me. Oh, that's who gave it to you? I can't remember who gave it to me. I have one of these in my trombone case. I've also never said this on the podcast. I used to be a professional trombonist and in my trombone case over there. This but come on. Yep. Anyway. Back this to you, Patty. You appreciate the difference of what the United States of America and how we were formed with freedoms. And guess what? These freedoms were given to us by God, not by our government. So this, I recommend reading the Constitution of the United States. I said that you get the last word. I lied. Like... Uh, Actually, could you hear me just now? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I lied. Can we get all of the police and military to actually read the document? And the politicians, too, because we raise our right hand and we swear to support and uphold and defend the thing and all of the stuff, the duties of the office, and the point of time, and blah, 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 blah. But I am convinced that the whatever it is, the 12 million government employees, the 580,000 soldiers and all that, I'm convinced that huge groups of them have never read the dang thing, all right? I don't know how you can support and defend something that you've never read. I'm If AOC, if we can get her on a lie detector, if, if she has read the Constitution, I, I will donate $1,000 to the charity of her choice. Like, before the taping of this. And I would pay for the polygrapher, because I don't believe that she has. Don't think she knows anything about it, how many articles it has, how many amendments, what any of the articles or amendments are for. And I'm not Bill of Rights, okay? Because people kind of remember from back in the day, oh, I can probably get through the Bill of Rights. I'm talking like amendments like 11 through 20-something because I don't want to give away the answer. Anyway, yes. Man, this was, this was a great interview. I love your book recommendation the best. Uh, Patty, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really had a good time. You're awesome, Joe. So go support the Joe Mobley Show. <laughs> and if you're in Virginia, Northern Virginia, join the Loudoun County Republican Women's Club. Yes. And if you're not, then go to their website and donate your money. Donate. If you're here, donate your time. We'll take it. If you're not, then we'll we'll take your money. Fact. All right. Well, that's all we got. Thank you, guys. If you've watched at this point, then you did enjoy the show. So like and share and subscribe. Come on, guys. It's YouTube. They hate us already. Uh, and that's all we got. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. 
Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.